Over the years, for so many, it has been an interesting conversation to speak to and listen to James Bianco, Jim Bianco's president and macro strategist at Bianco Research. It's a wonderful, holistic note because he's listening to Wall Street. Jim, I like what you do in your note this morning. You reach out to the recent work from Deutsche Bank to Apollo of Torsten Slock, and you're looking at the no-landing scenario that he and others are talking about. Tell us on the possibility of a no landing no i think that the no landing scenario you know using the plane metaphor that it just continues at 30,000 feet is growing every day and what is driving that is the labor market as we all know or as i like to say the problem with the labor market is there is no problem with the labor market and if there isn't a problem with the labor market the fed is not going to see a reason to pivot and something new is starting to come up in the marketplace in just the last few days. Uh, the probability that the Fed raises rates in June to go to five and a half is now gone above 50 percent. And that's the first time, I believe, this cycle that the market has actually gotten ahead of the Fed. Uh, the whole cycle has always been the Fed has said they're going to do something and the market thinks now nah, they're going to pivot, they're going to step down, they're going to pause, they're not going to go as far as they think. Now the market's starting to think the Fed's going to go further than they are communicating right now. So something has changed, and I think what that is is the inflation report yesterday. Services are not in disinflation. They look very sticky right now. And we have a positive base effect, meaning that we're dropping off big numbers from last year, 0.7 in February, 1% in March on the inflation report. And once we get past June, that all turns and it becomes the you know, tailwind for inflation to push higher. So we might not get to 2%, and then the second half of the year we start moving higher. And I think that's what the market's starting to sniff out. So, Jim, we've repriced yields higher, Treasuries lower. We've priced in a higher terminal rate as well. Why are so resilient in the face of that? What do you make of that? Well, I think there's a couple of things going on with equities. The first thing is 40% of the rally in the equity markets eight stocks. It's the FANG stocks plus Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. It's 2021 all over again. We've even got Bed Bath & Beyond moving, and we've got uh, you know the meme stocks starting to go. So we've seen this movie before. And so when you strip that out and you look at the rest of the market, it's up. I mean, it's not down or anything. It's up, but it's not up nearly as much as everybody thinks. But I think the problem the equity market's going to face, hey, no landing, that means earnings are going to come back, that's bullish. The forward P.E. ratio, the, the P.E. ratio of what earnings are expected to be in the next year is 18 and a half. You're not paying a cheap multiple for this market. You're going to pay full for this market if, you, if you're going to bet on some kind of economic rebound. What are variable lags then in this scenario, given that we're not seeing it and that if by anything, we're seeing easier financial conditions? Yeah, I think that that's going to be the biggest concern that we're going to have when we go forward here is the uncomfortable question of maybe the Fed is not at sufficiently restrictive. Maybe what we're at at four and a half on our way to five on the funds rate is neutral. And that's all we've done in the last year is gone to neutral. That's why we're, we're having a no landing. That's why the inflation rate is being so sticky. And that we're, we all assume, and I think that's what was the assumption behind all the recession calls at the beginning of the year, was we've raised rates a lot. That's got to hurt. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe all we've done is gone to neutral. And that's what the market's starting to sniff out, why we're starting to see a price in five and a half, is that we, we're not at sufficiently restrictive and we've got further to go. Jim, what do you make of that phrase, long and variable lags? How relevant is that to this moment? 
It's relevant to the extent, you know, in, you know, going on what a lot of other people are saying about that this is an unusual market and they're having a hard time understanding it. I come back to it's a post-COVID economy. Now, I know that's a fancy word, but what that means is all the rules that we understood about the economy pre-COVID, they've changed. And the biggest one we all know about is work from home. Barely half of the offices in the United States are now occupied five days a week. You know, everybody's on some kind of range of remote work. That is a huge change in the economy. And there's been other huge changes in the post-pandemic economy. So when people say, I'm confused, I don't understand, the economy isn't behaving, we have to long and variable lags, we have to be data dependent. It's, I think what it is is that they're saying, when is it going to start looking like 2019? The rules have changed, and we need to start to mm -hmm. figure out what those rules are. I don't know what they are. I just know they're not 2019's rules. And, John, Bianco breathing the oxygen of long and variable lags. Milton Friedman, University of Chicago, which is why Bianco is so long and variable lags. So long variable lags. It's the, the monetarism and the, 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 the ether in the air 30, 40 years ago. Jim's going to stick with us, Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. Tom, given how dependent we are on financial markets, much more so in the last few Very decades. Very important observation. Do those lags get shorter? I mean, isn't that basically the observation we thought? That was the conclusion we had mm, yeah. in the last 12 months. And now here we are talking about long and variable lags again. Without question, the financialization and the communication speed has changed the dialogue. But still, there are larger macro features at hand. I'm with Jim that the pandemic has messed up any analog back to the past. To build on that, this idea of when do we start seeing long and variable lags, we don't know what we're going to see when the economy gets back to a more stable state, because just what he was saying, we're not going back I, I, to 2019. These theories are carrying a lot of baggage from the past. Got a great line from a Bloomberg theory. subscriber just moments ago. The economy is like the recent balloons we've seen it will just keep drifting until it pops futures right now negative four tenths retail sales 18 minutes away it wasn't lisa the and the balloons have a compass <laughs> this is Bloomberg. but i relate <clears throat> don't know what's going on. The labor market you know, has all these distortions that are coming off. The economy has all these distortions that are coming off. And you don't want to, you know, race ahead like you know what you're doing for sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if interest rates end up at six to bring down inflation. What a number. But the key line in there is we don't know what's going on. That was Ken Rogoff, the Harvard professor of economics and former IMF chief economist. That is a incredibly sophisticated, smart individual just saying, we don't know what's going on here, TK. I don't know where this is going. If Bullard was 15 years younger at Indiana University, his PhD text would have been Opsfeld Rogoff. That's how important what we heard from Professor Rogoff. What do you make of the possibility of six? I, I need to re-listen to Bob Seeger is my answer. I'm looking at the BTMM screen. Jim Bianco's doing the same thing. And we are going back to another time and place, John. And for a huge percentage of our listeners and viewers, this is a whole new world after all. We'll get excited about retail sales in 13 minutes' time. Yeah. But jobless claims come tomorrow. <clears throat> 200,000 is the estimate. So that's a, another tick higher, a second week of it, if we get it. But 200,000, that is not population adjusted. So 200,000 going all the 
the way back to, what, the 60s? I mean, these are incredibly yeah. low numbers. I think about what we just heard uh, there from Jim Bianco, which is maybe we're not at sufficiently restrictive if you want to use the same lingo, right? Just to give you a sense of we don't know where we are, but the strength is making us question what the new right. model is at a time when you, when you say, what do you make of 6%? Well, what do you make of the unemployment rate where it is? What do you make of these numbers? Oh. And we don't know where that will rest with respect to growth and inflation. Matt Lizzetti put out a note yesterday, and thanks, Matt, for reaching out and informing us all of your new call, which is 560 as a peak Fed funds rate, and he made three points. So I share those three points with all of you. First, the labour market is so far remarkably resilient to Fed tightening. Second, less progress has been made towards disinflation with the revision to the CPI data and yesterday's CPI print. And third, financial <clears throat> conditions have failed to tighten enough. Those three points, Tom, yeah. the conclusion, for him at least, the and Fed needs to go higher. Bloomberg Financial Conditions Index, come back a little bit, but not really. 0.429 signifies that accommodation. We continue with Jim Bianco, president of Macro Strategist Bianco at Research Here. I want to dovetail Reinhard Rogoff, Jim, uh, into what we're going to see here in 11 minutes, 24 seconds. And that is this time is different within Consumer America. We're off of pandemic. Are we acting almost in a drunken state because this time is different after the shock of a pandemic? Or is this just typical boom from stimulus? I think it's more typical boom from stimulus. Bank of America has put out a lot of statistics about balances in everybody's checking account, and they're still very elevated. So a lot of the stimulus money that we saw <clears throat> handed out in 2020 and 2021, especially at the lower income levels, haven't been spent. And so these people still have spending power, and I think we're starting to see that. We don't see a booming economy, but what we do see is numbers that are continuing to move forward. Yeah. Retail sales numbers are expected to rebound. Remember, December, they were negative, and they're supposed to be up a decent amount, maybe 2% when we get them, meaning that spending will be continuing. And if we're talking about a recession and a pivot— and we're talking about 3.4% unemployment, and we start seeing spending, I got to think at the Federal Reserve, they look around and go, I don't see any reason to even think about pivot, let alone right. think about stopping raising rates. And five and a half looks like a target that we're going to head Well, when you go to five and a half percent, and let's just pretend they're the three-month LIBOR from another time and place gets back to five and a half percent, and that gets us back to a Bob Seeger economy. I was mentioning uh, the giant of the Midwest there. Great, Jim, but are we prepared for the way we adapt and adjust if we get back to Rogoff 6% or a 5.5% three-month LIBOR? No, I think that that's going to be a, a difficult adjustment for us because if we get back to a 6% funds rate, we will probably have a 6% Treasury bill rate. Look, we just hit 5% yesterday on the uh, six-month bill. That is the first Treasury security to yield 5 in 15 years, if we start to see six on those numbers, all of a sudden people are going to look around and go, what's the long-term return in the stock market? It's nine or 10%. I could get six without taking any risk whatsoever by parking it in a treasury bill or a short-term treasury security. That is going to prove to be a lot of competition for the idea that the stock market can continue to roar ahead. Which is the reason why a lot of people say that the bond market's inversion that you're seeing in the 210 spread is somewhat indicative of what's to come with respect to recession and stocks. Do you think that this time is different, that it is not a predictive measure of a downturn in, say, 12 months? 
Uh, I'm not so sure I'd go that far to say that it's not predictive. I'll, I'll put some numbers on it. I tend to look like Cam Harvey of Duke, who's the guy that uh, developed the uh, yield curve indicator, that when it persistently inverts. That happened around Thanksgiving, when it was 10 days in a row that it inverted. And it usually leads by about 10 months. That would put you in the fourth quarter for a recession on average. But it can be as long as 18 months. That could put you out in the first or second quarter of next year. So we could still be a year away from the recession, and the yield curve will have worked as an indicator. But I don't think Wall Street's that patient. I think that the whole idea that the Fed's got to pivot, that there's a recession and downturn coming, I don't think they think, well, it'll be here in a year. I think they think it'll be here in 90 days or 120 days. So yes, the yield curve still might work. Except we just have to dial our expectations that it still might be a 2024 scenario where we see the downturn or recession and not the middle of this year. If we do prolong uh, when a recession comes, will it be a more problematic recession because of how far the Fed will have to raise rates in response to sort of an easing that we're seeing in financial conditions and the strength in the economy? You know, it can be a more problematic recession if it is. You know, going back to Bob Seeger again, if it is a recession or an inflation-driven recession, that we see the inflation rate staying very elevated. I don't know if the Fed will have to raise rates as much, but they're not going to they're not going to see recession and say, okay, here we go back to zero in quantitative easing. They'll probably say maybe we got to cut rates back to three or to two and a half, and then see how things go. And I think a lot of people are expecting that in a downturn. It's going to be a road right back to zero on interest rates, and we might not see that this time around. Jim, financial conditions, how do you track that? What do you look at? What do you think the Fed's looking at? You know, that's a good question because there's all different financial conditions indicators. They all measure things differently. The Fed has various measures as well. I, I, if I was to look at it, I look at the more traditional Goldman Sachs type of indicators, and that says that they've eased a lot. And then anecdotally, with zero DTE options, with meme stocks like Bed Bath & Beyond doubling in a day, with the FANG stocks starting to move, it seems like it's a very easy environment right now, and it is not a tight environment. And that should be concerning over at the Fed. And I, that's why I was very confused when Chairman Powell was talking about tightening financial conditions at his press conference a couple of weeks ago, because that's not the case by a lot of measures right now. What's amazing about this is that on Bloomberg Radio, you're not observing this, but over the right shoulder of Jim Bianco is this Monroe trader from another time. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, we're hearkening back to interest rates when Bianco was using the Monroe trader to figure out convexity and duration. You know, back then, I'm not sure he was talking about zero DTE. Options. No, he was not talking Jim, to, I've got about were, 60 no. seconds left to squeeze that in. So that's zero days to expiry options at the index level, really short-term stuff. Now, Jim, can you tell me how much you think that has shaken this market about? Yeah, what has happened is, is that they now list options every day and they expire every day, and about half the volume is in options that will expire today. I think what it's done is it's created intraday volatility. So you see these big swings from like yesterday was a great example of it, right? Up 1%, down 1%, close around unchanged. Day-to-day -day volatility, maybe it doesn't really impact that. 
But we have to be ready for this idea that, hey, look, the market's up 1%. What does it mean? Wait, wait an hour. It's now down on the day. Wait an hour. It's back up on the day. That's where I think that the zero DTE options are really starting to play into the market and confusing a lot of people. We need a new promo. What does it mean? And then we'll just play Jim Bianco. It's great. Talking about zero <laughs> DTE. Is that your extended pitch? Con- I love this extended pitch. conversation so great, with Jim so Bianco. So great in marketing. Jim, thank you, buddy. Jim. Appreciate that. Two segments with Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. 